You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin, here to kick off the normal schedule, I guess. This is our first Thursday episode of the season. So this is uh, the introduction to the twice-a-week schedule that we'll keep through the whole uh, college football season here. Three times. No, we changed this. Okay. Don't listen to me. So from here on out, This week, we'll have two episodes. We had on Monday, we did the offensive positions. We did the wide receivers, the tight ends, the offensive line. Today, we're going to hit all of the defense because, again, poor planning on our part. But uh, next week, we'll start our three-day-a-week schedule. This is new this year. So if you were listening to the podcast last season, we just had the, the two episodes per week. We would do kind of a post-game thing on Monday and a pre-game thing on Thursday. This week, we are adding a picks pod on Friday to that. So the same schedule of last year, except we're going to add the picks on Friday. We're going to talk about our Michigan State picks. We're going to talk about some uh, other picks around the college football landscape. If there are some big top 25 matchups, big Big Ten games, obviously, Um, We'll give our picks on that. We're going to do kind of a season long contest. We're going to roll that out for you guys next week. We're still hammering out the details. So we'll make sure that we keep you updated on it. Follow on Twitter at standing room MSU and at Spartan Martin 18. And we will be sure to give you all of the good news on the podcast and on the website, standingroomspartans.com. Scott, their first kickoff to the more than once a week uh, episodes here for the podcast. How are we doing? I am going crazy. I tweeted yesterday. I think August is the worst time to be a football fan. Some people might avidly disagree, but it feels like the clock absolutely comes to a halt and football is here. We've got, we talked about it last week that the NFL preseason is just like this total tease of hey football's here but it's not worth watching and yeah I think we're down to nine days single digits as we record here by the time it drops we'll be at the Ocho so we are right there but every day is an eternity right now I'm so stoked for this season to get going I'm stoked to get our content rolling we've already got the website kind of uh, flowing a little more than than we did before so 
yeah, check us out, follow us, subscribe to our website. I think you can do that. I'm not an expert on it, but I think there's a way. <laughs> um, so do it if you know how. Um, yeah, and let's get this thing going. Yeah, it is It is the worst time of the year because, you know, we're bi- we're both fantasy football guys is on the NFL side, and you kind of start doing your fantasy football prep work, but, you know, that part is just kind of – agonizing looking through like a hundred different rankings and stuff you don't really care or know what you're looking at and as a fantasy football fan as a general football fan as a college football nfl whatever this is the time of the year where it it really comes down to any news is generally bad and that's just not a good place to be because as especially as podcasters content people uh, we're always looking for what's, you know, what, what's the news around the program, what's happening this week. And we've kind of gotten to the point where maybe Mel Tucker names uh, a quarterback starter publicly, probably not, but that's kind of the only thing that's left a depth chart. Any other news is bad news. And that, that means injuries. That means guys are out. That means, you know, so it's at the point of the year where we're searching for news, but at the same time, we're really hoping that we don't get any. So it's, it is a, a weird, uncomfortable time. Like you said, that, that just anxious arrival is, you know, we're almost there, but we're still a week out. We got a couple days from now, we've got the Nebraska and Illinois game to kick off the college football season. We're not going to do a pick show this week. We have a picks, uh, blog post poll fan poll if you guys want to go up and and test your luck as far as what you guys think is going to be the result of that game scott the spread right now illinois plus seven at home seven point underdogs to nebraska heading into champaign uh you got to lean on on that game where are you going plus seven i like illinois um i mean Straight up, I, I kind of like Illinois. I know they're not the best team, but I already got I already took the Illinois money line. So yeah, yeah, they've got the new coach energy. Scott Frost is perennially perennially on the hot seat, so he's going to be feeling the pressure. And they always seem to find a way to lose two or three games they shouldn't every season, or more than that. So yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't really know, but I just like I like the Illini. Um, playing at home, new regime. There's going to be energy in the stadium, fans in the stadium. And uh, yeah, I'm not uh, not a big fan of putting my money on Scott Frost and his boys down in Lincoln. It's, it's insane that they're in, I think, year four without a bowl game now. That's just outrageous. But uh, that's it. We just wanted to kind of hit that quick, give you a little preview of what we're going to be talking about for the year. Um, yeah, week zero is upon us. That means that Michigan State, we've wrapped up the fall camp last year. We had the open practice. I uh, hope uh, as many of you listening as were able to could make it. That That's not a real English sentence, but just bear with me here. Uh, whoever was there, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, it looked like a great time. We were not able to attend, but uh, looks like we got some little bits and pieces of news to come out of that open practice. I know a lot of people were tweeting clips. Obviously, Jaden Reed had himself a nice few catches. I know Jalen Naylor had a deep post that Anthony Rousseau hit him in stride. And, you know, people are are taking their opinions on the quarterback battle just from watching these guys in practice. So that's always fun. 
Um, a- anything really stick out to you, Scott, uh, coming out of that open practice? Just how close this QB battle is. Um, I'm not going to put a prediction out there. Um, there's something deep in my brain that says Peyton Thorne, but I don't trust it at all. Noah Kim looked comfortable with the second team. Maybe it was the third team. I don't know. He had a, he had a good practice. I'm not saying he's competing for the job, but looked good. Um, Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's exciting. It's nice to see kind of who's, who's filtering in and out. I, I would say, you know, some people may think there was some misdirection by the coaching staff on some of these positions. I think it's more of just rotating guys that they feel good about and getting them snaps with the first team. I wouldn't, I wouldn't read too much into the order of things or anything like that. I know Peyton Thorne came out with the ones. I think um, Eli Collins came out with the ones. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the linebackers were a mess in terms of who came out first. I, I Again, don't read too much into that. I think you know, they're just getting guys reps who they need to get reps in practice to see where they're at. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think a lot of positions we're feeling really good about in comparison to last year, especially after Mel Tucker's comments, specifically, you know, at linebacker, a position that's been kind of a nervous one throughout this off season and continues to be until we see them on the field. But he said, they've got five guys they feel good about. We'll talk a little bit about who we think they are. Um, but it's coming together. Um, the defensive backs is a really interesting kind of storyline that's developing in terms of who's getting reps with the first team. Again, I'm not going to guess who's going to be the starters, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun to see the live reps. I thought the offense looked a little better than the defense in the clips that we saw, but defenses don't always get the love they should with, you know, random highlight clips. So uh, plenty of tea leaves, but trying to, uh, to quell the, you know, the temptation to read into them too much. So, um, and a couple injuries, which we'll get into. Yeah. I'll give a a quick shout out to our, our guys at the eyes on big podcast, uh, Jeffrey, the Greek and big Kurt, in my humble opinion, the best big 10 football podcast out there. I know a lot of you guys listen to them already, but they were going through their season predictions and, um, I was helping them out a lot with the MSU side because they were they were DMing me like, who the hell are these guys? Like looking <laughs> through the roster and the depth chart. So I had to help them out a little bit there. But yeah, they were going through the season preview and and they were kind of giving their quick like pros and cons. And uh, Big Kurt was basically like pros. It's a bunch of new faces, you know, and it, it last year obviously looked pretty rough for a lot of times on the defense, but you know, it's a lot of new guys. Cons, who the hell are these guys? <laughs> it was just like a perfect, you know, especially, you know, we are so deep in the weeds of this and and we've, you know, burned all of these names into our brain. I can't even imagine as an outsider looking at this MSU roster and going in, let's say you're a Northwestern fan. And you, you know, you're all right. You're, you're getting ready for this game. You kind of read a little preview. You're like, yeah, okay. Like, you know, I know a couple of these, I remember that Eli Collins guy or the Reed Naylor. Yeah. Those are good receivers. And then you see the, the team go out there and they have the starting lineups on the TV broadcast. You're like, I have, I have never seen any of these guys in my life. <laughs> what, what is going on here? So I, I can imagine for me too when I see clips and I'm watching them and there's all these numbers out there, especially without the name plates, I'm like, 
it takes me a minute if, every once in a while to pick up, you know, who's especially obviously the transfers, new numbers. Um, yeah. And there's a couple like Michael Fletcher sticks out like a sore thumb, that big <laughs> five and you know, his, his frame, like he, you could see him from a mile away, but yeah, a lot of these guys, especially like at linebacker, you're like, yeah. is that holiday? Is that DeMarzo? Is that Klein? Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's yeah. tough. We got to, we got to so, memorize these numbers a bit quicker, man. Yeah. So um, to wrap up this spring practice, couple kind of uh, small administrative items, I guess three guys did not come out with the team. Uh, Ricky white, that saga continues. Um, and then Michael Gravely and Alex Okilo, both true freshmen were not um, out there with the team. Mel Tucker did not comment on them after practice and his, his comments just said, uh, he did say Ricky White and Michael Gravely are currently not participating in team activities. So we won't read too much into that. Just don't expect them to make, making a splash early this year or potentially this season at all. Um, any, any other news we'll report on, but uh, a couple injuries, a couple guys who did not suit up for the practice. Um, Ma'a Nauteote was in street clothes, uh, kind of a bummer. I, I'm, I'm hoping he can at least get some special teams reps this year. I, I want to see him on the field, but we'll see. Um, Jacob Slade, defensive tackle, had his right hand, maybe his left hand, one of his hands in a cast. Um, don't know what you know how serious that is, which would be kind of a blow. Returning um, start started every game last year, so that would definitely be the biggest one out of this group. Yeah, we'll hit that a little bit more when we're talking defensive line. Um, who am I missing here? I know there were a couple Carson more. Castile, uh, linebacker, probably not going to be a big impact guy. And Adam Berghorst, the tight end, who we mentioned. Uh, it's kind of, kind of a blocking guy, role player, not expected to have a huge spot on the on the depth chart, but uh, somebody who has taken snaps and, and yeah, I mean, he's a, he can he, get back to action. He's a good, uh, you know, almost a – tackle junior on uh you know heavy downs we used to have a set in football i don't know if if this is standard or just my team called fubar uh which was basically just like eight offensive linemen and you'd have those giant tight ends out there so he's kind of that that fubar tight end but um so that was the only ones i think there were a couple other guys i don't have the names in front of me who did suit up but did not um get reps on the field so Again, as you said at the top of the episode, kind of the season of all the news is either bad news or bullshit. Uh, those are probably some items of bad news. It could be worse, all things considered. But, you know, it's it's pretty typical to have a couple guys dinged up coming out of fall camp every year. So I mean, you got um, like 80 guys on the roster. It's it's going to be a – it's football, you know. Yeah, so that's that. But, yeah, I think we can dive in here. Uh, we got a little bit more ammunition to talk about this defense coming out of that practice. Not much, but uh, some things to touch on. So I think we're going to start here on the defensive end, start it up front. Um and it's an interesting group. You've got role players. You've got every down guys. So first and foremost, Kevin, week one, snap one, rolling out there against Northwestern. Who are you expecting to see out on the edges? Yeah, you're definitely, I feel pretty confident saying you're definitely going to see Jacob Panishuk and Drew Beasley as the starting guys. And then you're going to see a lot of Drew Jordan, the incoming transfer from Duke. And I'm hoping that we're going to see a lot of Michael Fletcher, the the 
breakout potential kind of guy. You mentioned, we mentioned him earlier as a guy who he just stands out like a sore thumb in that DN groom as just a different level of athlete compared to what we have. We got Panishuk Beasley, just that steady, solid. They're, they're not going to blow you away with athleticism, but solid technique, you know, good in the run game type of guys. And then you have a, a guy like Michael Fletcher, who's what six, five, he's got those long arms. He's got that just sheer power that we saw in flashes last year. And I'm really hoping he steps up, but this is, this is funny. I was doing some prep for this one and here I got a couple different of these college football preview magazines and just kind of flipping through to see what their thoughts are on this D line. And you got Phil Steele's got us kind of a middle of the road, a little bit below average uh, D line group in the big 10 Athlon was the same. And then you get PFF who this was a direct quote from PFF in the, in the pro football focus uh, college preview magazine. They said, quote, the edge duo, and this is Jacob Panishuk and Drew Beasley, the edge duo could end up as a top five passing pass rush duo in college football, a top five pairing in college football, talking about Jacob Panishuk, who they had, they do like their pass rush grades, their run stuff grades, their, you know, everything is kind of separated out and, and really contextualized. They had Jacob Panshuk back in 2019 as the seventh best pass rusher by their metrics in the power five. They had Drew Beasley was like top 15 last year, I want to say. So I, again, like I've, I've mentioned this before. PFF is, is a, is a group that I like a lot of what they do. A lot of it's different and it gives you a little bit of a different kind of perspective on some things and it gives you some different kind of stats right we're used to just the okay tackles tackles for loss sacks they give us a little bit more which is interesting i don't necessarily agree with their uh their prediction here their projection i should say but man that really caught me off guard that there is somebody out there who is not with green colored glasses who thinks this could be uh one of the best edge groups in the country so I don't know. What's your take on that? Uh, yeah, I definitely pump the brakes there. I mean, <laughs> I, I love to hear it. You know, those guys, they, they cover football a hell of a lot more than we do. They actually get paid to do this stuff. So, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the blood pressure is going up because there's a huge grain of salt with that. Um, they're good. And they, Panashuk had a great season last year. He was productive or not Panashuk. He had a kind of slow season. Um, Drew Beasley had, had a very productive season last year. A few sacks, a lot more QB pressures. Mm-hmm. Good against the run as well. I got him down I for think, seven hits in seven games. So, yeah, if you're putting the quarterback on his back every Saturday, you're uh, you're doing your job. So, um, yeah, I mean they're going to be good. They're going to be productive. I think this whole unit through and through is stronger against the run. You've got a guy like Panashuk who that's his strong suit. Drew Jordan was kind of brought in as a as another first and second down kind of guy. Um, I think the pass rush is going to be the area that they need to improve if they really want to take some pressure off this secondary, which we'll get to. Um, because it's been hit or miss. It was not absent last year. It did exist. We even got some production up the, up the middle from the tackles. And that's something I expect to get again this year. 
uh, with the guys that we're bringing back. But yeah, I mean, I don't think the pass rush has been particularly active over the last few years to the point that it's something, you know, it, it just hasn't been at the top of the list that opposing uh, coaches are game planning against, you know, yeah. it's not a group that's going to beat you with sacks. Our sack numbers have been really low the last few years. And that's why this was so surprising. And again, it's, it's a company that does a lot of really contextualized stuff and they say, okay, well, maybe he didn't get the sack there, but you know, he, he really did his job or he got the pressure. He beat his lineman one-on-one and you know, that's where a lot of these grades come into play. But at the end of the day, like, I think sacks are a stat that are a little bit overrated because I think pressures are, are really impactful and, and don't get maybe taken, uh, you know, as, as important by the community, by the football community. You know, if you're pressuring the quarterback that can force an interception that can force an incompletion that can force a bad throw that can force somebody to, to think about that defensive end on the next play. And, and I think, pressures in general are really important sacks it's just a matter of getting home and obviously it's super important but this group hasn't gotten home and that is still important um so you look at those top four guys hopefully like I said Fletcher kind of has that mold of what could be an elite pass rusher uh, but the other three guys seem like more just steady solid big 10 defensive ends set the edge in the run game can get after the quarterback a bit, you know, if, if you got a one-on-one matchup, they can beat them from time to time. Uh, then behind them, I think there's some interesting depth pieces here. Tank Brown, I, you know, we'll, we'll call him an edge. That sounds like kind of what, what has been the, the uh, news out of camp here is that they've moved him to more of a, put his hand in the dirt and get after the quarterback guy who's brought in as a linebacker, kind of a hybrid guy. You got Brandon Wright transforming from a running back to a pass rusher. The word on him is he's got the speed rush down. I don't know how his technique anywhere else is, but if you get a third and long and you got a guy who can just blow past the tackle, maybe that could make an impact. Uh, Jeff Piotrowski, he's got 48 snaps under his belt from last year. He might have a little bit of a role. Um, as a, as a true sophomore there here this year, Zach Slade hasn't really had much experience. So, um, any of those other depth pieces really stand out to you? I'm excited to see what the gadget guys like Wright and uh, tank Brown can do. Um, I mean, I don't think it's something that you're, you're hanging your production on. Um, but you know, could be a nice little gadget to throw in on third down. Like you mentioned, um, one other guy, Jack camper who has had intermittent snaps the last couple of years, redshirt senior, uh, he'll, he'll see the field as well. Um, this staff also used three, sometimes even four defensive ends on third down last year. Um, I was watching the Northwestern game from last season, uh, prepping for our preview next week. And, um, Drew Beasley actually had a sack and a pressure, lined up on the guard. So uh, they'll move some of these guys around, especially the bigger guys who can, uh, you know, get on the inside and get through a scrum. So um, yeah, it's a deep group. I I think it's kind of lacking a superstar pass rusher. You're going to get some production out of them, but you have, you don't have a Shalik Calhoun kind of that staple guy that all the eyes are on, on a third and long. Um, But it's a group that you can rely on to do their job. Um, they're going to be great against the run, you know, kind of a staple of a Ron Burton defensive line is they're, they're going to be stout against the run. 
So you could expect that to continue. And there's a lot of guys here, a lot of youth. That's exciting. I think you've got a good mix of, of uh, older guys who, you know, they can do their job like Beasley, Drew Jordan, Jacob Panashuk, all fifth or sixth year seniors um, who you kind of know what you're getting out of them. And then you've got some guys who are coming up through the ranks and excited to see what they can do. Fletcher's a redshirt sophomore, Brandon Wright's a junior, true junior. Um, and uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. Tank Brown, I think, is a redshirt sophomore, uh, maybe a redshirt freshman. So obviously we mentioned it, I think, red one of the freshman. last couple redshirt freshmen. We mentioned it a couple episodes ago. Um, we have those older guys, which is great for this year. But after this year, you're losing Panashuk, Jack Camper, Drew Beasley, Drew Jordan, Um that's a lot of production, a lot of snaps that are going out the door. And we're going to need to use this season to get some guys ready to take snaps next year. I think a lot of that's going to fall on Michael Fletcher as a big bodied guy with some experience. Um, but after him, it's kind of, a, okay, who's going to step up. Um, and, you know, if nobody steps up, you look at the transfer portal, obviously we'll, we'll get to that in the off season, depending on how this season goes, but they're going to need these guys to get snaps as a full rotation and see who can step up and, and be ready for a full workload next year. So it's not just going to be those older guys getting snaps. And um, I think we have a lot to look forward to with this group. Yeah, and, and playing inside some guys who are going to be really valuable. If we're going to really try to develop a pass rush, you mentioned we did get a little bit of juice coming from the middle. So I, I think there's some really fun pieces here on the, the interior of the defensive line. Jacob Slade, somebody that we mentioned was, was unable to be in pads for the open practice. Hopefully he's ready to go because he's a guy who started every game last year, six, four, three, 15, big solid dude in the run game three tackles for loss last year showed a little bit of, of, of giddy up getting through the holes and, and, and making plays in the backfield, but not really his game, but somebody who, who can do it if called upon. And then two guys behind him who, who it is more of their game, Jalen hunt, Deshaun Mallory, both guys with that ability to really get after a quarterback to really blow through a hole make tackles in the backfield. I think these two guys are in for big years, um, especially if Jacob Slade is banged up and these two are forced to start. I think the pairing of them would be just fine. J Jalen Hunt's coming in 6'4", 320. Uh, again, that big stout guy who can really fill the run game. And Deshaun Mallory is all the way down to 285, but he says, you know, big sexy. He's saying that he's he hasn't lost any power so that's really exciting to see. That's a really intriguing prospect is he was a guy last season who I remember we talked about almost every week where we would come out of, okay, what are the takeaways from this game? What are the takeaways from this game? And every single game, it felt like we were talking about 94 making plays in the middle. So Deshaun Mallory is somebody I think is going to have a breakout year this year. I know really all the hype was on Jalen Hunt back in the spring. A lot of that has quieted down a little bit, uh, just maybe due to the nature of, um, you know, less eyes or, or whatever, but yeah, Deshaun Mallory, somebody I expect to have a big year, but I really think it's going to be a three man rotation with those guys with Naquan Jones being off to the NFL. Uh, I think those three guys are going to be in a heavy rotation. I think we're going to see a lot of each of them. 
Um, and we'll see what, you know, kind of turns up behind them, but there's a lot of youth. Yeah. I am really excited to watch specifically Mallory and hunt. You mentioned Slade kind of a do your job kind of guy, kind of like a Mike Panashuk where he's going to, you know, plug gaps in the middle, eat blocks and stick an arm out to slow down or tackle the running back as he's moving through the hole. I don't think he's going to be a guy who's living in the backfield. Um, but certainly if he's healthy, um, either starting or heavy, heavy rotation guy. Um, but Mallory and Hunt, I think both have the opportunity this season to become superstars on this defensive line. And when we're looking at guys on this roster who we could potentially be talking about as leaders of the defense, as potential high NFL draft picks um, as we move through this offseason and into next year, I think these two guys both have the opportunity to become those kinds of names where, you know, he's one of the first names out of your mouth when you say, who's the guy on, on this defense. Um, they've got to prove it. I'd be surprised if one of them didn't have a monster year. I would love if both of them did. Um, and having two guys in the middle who the offensive coordinator on the other side wants to double team is so valuable because you're going to get a one-on-one matchup for one of them every down, you know, you can't put the center on both of them. Um, So it's going to be really valuable if they do turn into the players that we think they do. And one of the, I mean, one of the reasons Deshaun Mallory cut all that weight is so he could stay on the field more. You know, if you're sitting at 350, sure, you're a big body, you can eat blocks, you could push guys, but you're going to get worn out quick at that kind of weight down at 285, wherever he is, 275, 290, whatever. Um, you can stay on the field a whole lot more. You can stay in that rotation for more downs. You can play full series. And that's, you know, when you're one of the better penetrators on the defensive line, obviously that's really valuable. You got to be on the field to make plays. Um, but behind those three guys, I think Maverick Hansen has seen the field a little bit. You'll probably see him a little bit more. Uh, Jacob Lefebvre, same thing, but I'm, and, and Kyle King, I'm really interested to see there's three freshmen on here that intrigue me. Two of them, I think have a chance to see the field a little bit more. So Kyle King, I mentioned redshirt freshman saw a little bit of the field last year. Simeon Barrows, a name that just started to bubble up late in camp. I don't expect him to be pushing for a starting role or anything, but don't be surprised if you see him getting some reps, big number eight on the inside. He was, he was one of my big takeaways from the spring game or spring practice or whatever you want mm-hmm. to call it. He was one that kept popping over and over again. So I, I would be interested to see him get a few reps as another guy who can kind of more of that penetrating role at 285. Yeah. And another guy has been getting a little bit of love who I don't expect to make a huge splash this year, but uh, sounds like he's exceeding expectations is Derek Harmon, the true freshman out of uh, Loyola in Detroit. He is kind of, was kind of a quiet name in this um, recruiting class. One of the biggest guys in the class six, five, he's listed as three thirty. Um, but what I'm I think hearing he came is, in he at has, like three sixty or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, great football instincts already a pretty developed football IQ and he's getting the technique down real quick. So again, I don't know if it'll be this year, but I expect him to be, if he continues on the, on the path that he's on, I expect him to be contributing early in his career. And don't forget friend of the podcast, Tyson Watson. Of course, Tyson Watson, one of the tallest guys on this defensive line, uh, six, six, and has played on the outside a little bit in high school as well. So inside um, outside versatility. I like to see that. 
Yep. So it's, I I'm really excited about this defensive tackle group. I think the defensive ends are, are going to do well, um, but maybe have a lower ceiling. I think this defensive tackle group could be explosive this season, assuming they stay healthy, Jacob Slade, whatever's going on with his hand, hopefully he can get that sorted out and get on the field uh, early this year, because this group could really kind of set the tone for this defense. I think on the inside um, if they have the years that we think they might, I think running against this defense, at least on the inside, is going to be a real challenge for any team in the Big Ten. Um, and, uh, and it could, I mean, we mentioned the secondary, the linebackers, we'll get to that. But if you can have a pass rush, if you can, you know, make the quarterback uncomfortable with the production up front, that can do wonders for the guys in the back. So um, yeah, and, we'll and- see. Nobody's saying these guys are, are Aaron Donald, but I'm just bringing up his name as the prototype of this role because he was kind of, he kind of changed the defensive tackle position a little bit as kind of a undersized guy who could really just blow through an offensive line and get into the backfield right in the quarterback's face. We hadn't really seen that a whole lot. Uh, you go back like Warren Sapp was a kind of guy like that, but defensive tackles were traditionally just a big dude who ate space in the run game. And so when you get some of these guys, like, uh, you know, somebody you might think is undersized at even a Deshaun Mallory who went from an oversized guy to an undersized guy. Now at 285, usually you're looking at 300 pounders uh, that role of being able to pressure the quarterback right in their face is, is really, really valuable. So, you know, if, the, if these guys can fill that role, that's going to be really important. The linebackers um, <laughs> really bad outside of one of the great MSU linebackers. And I hope that we don't pass over his name. When we talk about that conversation, Antoine Simmons, who graduated, who was just nothing short of outstanding the last couple of years really held this group together Outside of him, it was pretty rough for times last year, but uh, this year, as you mentioned earlier, Mel Tucker says there's five guys who they feel comfortable trotting out there. I will just run through the the five guys that I would assume it would be, and and we'll see if if you're on the same page here. So, Quaver's Crouch, Noah Harvey, Chase Klein, Ben Van Summer, and Cal Holiday. I think are those five. Yeah, I if if. Tank Brown is playing as a tight end or tight end defensive end. I think those are the names I was hoping would be out there, but again, he didn't suit up for this practice dealing with potentially some kind of injury. Um, And he's a true freshman. Um, So, yeah, I think those are the guys. uh, Cole DeMarzo DeMarzo. was the only other one I really even thought about, but I just, I don't think he's quite at that level as, as the others, be it because of experience or just, how we've kind of seen the tea leaves play out from spring practice or, or fall camp. Yeah. I mean, him and Cal Halliday have kind of been like a tandem in my mind, right? They're the same, same recruiting class, um, similar kind of style. But I, I, from what I've heard, Cal Halliday is, is making a stronger push towards meaningful snaps um, so far. And it, this is a really interesting group. Um, for me, I, I was kind of 
down to a couple guys, Noah Harvey and Quaveris Crouch, who I expected to be starting week one. Um, but I've been looking around. Obviously, I consume just as much content as, as we try to create. And there's some differing opinions out there. I've seen Ben Van Sumeren's name bouncing around a little bit, which surprised me. I thought he was kind of more of a project coming in than an every down guy or at least a gadget guy. Um, well, it's funny and- you say that, but he's one of the more experienced. Like he he has moved to linebacker recently, but you know he's a redshirt junior, so it's it is funny because I had the same kind of feeling of like, well, you know he's he's not going to be ready to really, but but he started two games for Michigan at linebacker last year, and he's a redshirt junior, so it, it is kind of funny how we thought about that, but now you really start digging into it it's like well I don't see why he couldn't start I mean, we we both were negative on Noah Harvey all of last year and if you got a guy coming in who is much more athletic who has started games at linebacker who is a redshirt junior who's been around college football and college football weight rooms for a long time and you can see it why couldn't he start yeah he's an interesting one he he kind of got washed out at Michigan um and I think that kind of hampered my opinion of him, maybe fairly, maybe unfairly, um, but he could. And for, it sounds like he's very athletic. We know he's very strong. It's just a matter of whether he can pick up the, you know, the, the scheme and, and do his job and um, do what the coaches are asking of. I think, you know, I try not to be too negative about guys on the podcast. Um, I'm just not the type to, to really beat a guy down. But honestly, if Noah Harvey's not out there week one, I think it bodes really well for this team because not, not starting, he will be out there, but if he's not starting um, and I say that because he's a known factor, we know the coaching staff trusted him enough to play him significantly last year, even when we had other options um, and a good linebacker next to him. He was kind of one of the vocal leaders this offseason for the team, a guy that I know the coaching staff asked to step up as a leader, kind of was being groomed to be a starter, but you kind of know what you're getting. He's a redshirt senior. The things that held him back last year aren't particularly fixable when you're, you know, a senior going into your redshirt senior year. He He's slow. He's just not that athletic. He reads the game pretty well. He had a little bit of challenges with gap integrity last year, but generally he knew where he needed to be. He just really struggled to get there at times. Um, and that's not going to fix itself in a off season four years into being on campus. So if we have a guy who can do the intangibles as well as Noah Harvey, provide the leadership, read the game, control the defense, um, that can play instead of him. I think it's a really good sign for where this linebacker group is at the one. So there's a lot, we don't know with these linebackers as far as who's going to play, who's going to play a lot. The one thing I think we do know is that Quaveris Crouch is going to start and he's going to, I think he's the number one linebacker on the team. They rolled him out after. Yeah. They rolled him out after the um, open practice to talk with the media, which always bodes well for a player's chances of, uh, you know, being a starter, Typically, they try not to roll guys out who are not going to see the field very much. Um, Recently learned that uh, Magic Johnson went to Michigan State. So, (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I'm not going to get on him too much. It's funny. It's, it's cool to see him kind of get indoctrinated into the culture. Obviously, to, to us MSU fans, it's, it's almost hard to believe you wouldn't know. But um, <laughs> it's right. It's, it's one of those things as a Michigan State, you're like, duh. But if you realize that the guy's from North Carolina, he went to school in Tennessee, like, yeah, I guess I don't know how he would know. He's 20 years old. Like, yeah. So, uh, but he, I expect big things from him. Really athletic guy. He's still picking up the position. He's has one year of playing linebacker under his belt. He was a five-star running back recruit um, speaking to his athleticism, but I think he's going to be the staple in this group from an athletic perspective, from a playmaking perspective. It'll yet to be seen, you know, if kind of, if he can wear that captain's hat, not captain in the traditional sense, but just, you know, the leader of the defense kind of knowing where everyone needs to be telling other dudes what their job is and, and kind of setting up the defense. We'll see if that's him or somebody else, but I do expect him to be all over the field this year making plays and we're going to need him to be. Yeah. He started 10 games last year for Tennessee and Tennessee, not a good program, not in a good place right now, obviously, but you know, he's still playing against sec competition day in day out. And I know as big 10 people, we get kind of annoyed by the reputation that the sec gets, but at the end of the day, it is a different level of football. And so when, when you get a guy who was able to start and play really well in the SEC and then come over, you know, we we're, we'll talk about the corners and you got a couple more SEC transfers there, but guys who weren't able to see the field really. And so that makes it really difficult to kind of project it. But this is a guy who started 10 games last year, played running back for Tennessee. Like he, he's clearly was one of the best athletes on an SEC team. He's going to come into Michigan State and I think be one of the three, four best athletes on the team from day one. They talked about it. I remember kind of at the beginning of fall camp, there were a couple tweets coming out about his like ability to just toss around weight in the weight room and then go out and run like 23 miles an hour on the field. And it was just people were kind of dropping their jaw a little bit. And you don't get an opportunity for that level of athlete that often especially at a school like Michigan State who let's face it you know we face an uphill battle in the recruiting game because of our location because of some of the schools that are near us with Ohio State with Penn State with Michigan always coming in and taking some of those top level athletes from our region we don't have the opportunity to go national and get five-star type guys that often so when we are uh, it's really exciting. And I think, yeah, he's, he's going to step in day one, be our number one guy and, and hopefully play really well. Um, like you said, I, I really hope that Noah Harvey doesn't see the field. He's we've made the comparison before to like the defensive Rocky Lombardi. It was just the guy that nobody really wanted to see on the field, but you, you start listening to the way that the coaches talk about him and the leadership. And you're like, Oh, this guy's going to start, isn't he? or the Connor Hayward, right? Where it's everybody doesn't want to see him there, but you know, he's going to, it's just one of those inevitable places in life. I hope that, you know, a guy like maybe Chase Klein, somebody that was kind of a breakout candidate last year, maybe he takes an off season here and uh, really progresses his game as my dog is going to try to kill a cat on the balcony or something. I don't know. Um, hopefully Chase Klein makes that step up. I know he had, remember that really bad personal foul last year 
that just kind of disrupted, I think, the flow of his season. Hopefully he can make a step up and and be that guy next to, to Crouch because I think in terms of like potential, those two or Crouch and Van Summeren, I, I think that would be our best group. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting group to watch. I'm, I mean, I've, I've said that probably about every group that we've previewed, but I know this is a big question mark. I, my challenge is I don't know if, if we're thinking about this linebacker group as, okay, are we just trying to find two stable guys or does this group really have the potential to find two guys who can be real playmakers, you know, not just do your job guys, but make the big plays kind of guys. And in the big 10, having that at linebacker is enormous because they can make plays in the run game. They can make plays in the pass game. They can play all over the field. Um, So I think obviously priority number one is just get two guys out there who you can trust to do their job, to make the right reads and be in the right spot. But if you can identify one or, I mean, obviously two guys would be great, but just one guy, like, I'm not saying they're going to fully fill Antoine Simmons shoes, but start to kind of fill that role of like, he knows what's coming and he can kind of do a little bit more than what's asked of him to make a big play and really step up. Um, it'd be great to have one of those guys in the defensive backfield here. So um, we'll see. It's going to be probably the first position I'm looking at when we roll out against Northwestern. Um, but the secondary is going to be taking a lot of my attention too. And I want to save some time to cover that because it is a beautiful mess right now. Um, there, yeah, and a lot of this will pos- be intertwining a little bit too, because we've got a guy like Angelo Gross who played a lot of corner. Sounds like he's more going to be playing a safety role. You've got, yeah, a lot of guys who are going to be kind of mixing in and out. And we have no idea what's going to happen at the end of the day. You said it's going to be a lot of attention there. We've got, I I was just kind of rewinding because you go back and you kind of forget like, okay, Shakur Brown, one of the top corners from last year, he's gone to the NFL draft. Julian Barnett, somebody that, you know, again, you talk about last year's breakout candidates. Everybody was expecting a big year from him. Gone. Chris Jackson, gone. Davian Williams, gone. And that seems like such a long time ago now that there was this kind of exodus you kind of remember like, man, those were all corners, man. Like we're, we lost four guys who were starting level, starting caliber, mixing in for snaps players. And I think the staff has done a pretty good job of filling those shoes. Ronald Williams comes in from Alabama. Chester Kimbrough comes in from Florida. Kendall Brooks comes in from North Greenville. Marquis Lowry from Louisville. Kari Crump from Arizona. CJ Hayes seems to have moved over from the wide receiver position to somewhere in the defensive backfield, given some Instagram comments and posts. Um, haven't seen it officially on the depth chart or anything, but yeah, it's, it's an insane group to try to wrap your head around. And on top of that, like I said, you have Angelo Gross who played a bunch in the nickel last year. Who sounds like he's more transitioning to a safety spot. So as far as projecting a depth chart, man, it's impossible here. Yeah, but we're going to try anyway. So um, in the corners, I, it's interesting. First of all, you're going to see at that nickel position, you're going to see corners sometimes and you're going to see safety sometimes. I think more times than not, you're probably going to see a safety. Um, 
but we'll get to that. I want to talk corners first because you mentioned it's kind of a mess. Really the only guy who I expect to be productive who was on the team last year was, is Caleb Gervin. I think most fans thought he'd be our number one, which hasn't necessarily from what we've seen and heard. That's not a foregone conclusion. He still could be, but it almost sounds like he's going to be kind of the go-to slot corner which is surprising um, against, you know, when, when the other team has more athletic wide receivers lined up in the slot um, because it sounds like Ronald Williams and Chester Kimbrough, both SEC transfers have really taken the reins um, specifically Ronald Williams uh, transferring from Alabama. I think he had a, a brief stint in Juco between yep. us and Alabama. But when he was at Bama and he, he was interviewed a couple weeks ago and he was talking about how Alabama. Well, he was, he was a Juco guy before Bama. Before Bama. Okay. So he was talking about his time at Bama. He mentioned, you know, their quote unquote, their standard is a lot higher. Um, and that's not a dig on us. It's just, it's Alabama, but he was a guy who worked his way into the first string at Alabama in their secondary before an injury slowed him down. And eventually he was usurped uh, by some more talent on their roster. But I mean, it's no secret Alabama, just like every other position puts out NFL defensive backs with first rounders every year, (laughs) complete regularity. And he moved himself into that first string. Even if it was brief, he got injured, didn't really put up production for, you know, multiple weeks, but he got there. Um, and I don't want to be too fanboy about Alabama, but I do think that speaks volumes about the kind of talented guy this is. And from what I've heard from fall camp, he is that kind of guy. He came in and it sounds like he's going to be the guy across from the best receiver on the other team, every play, assuming he's not winded, injured or something else, um, which is awesome to hear. Um, I love Kalen Gervin. I think he's going to have a phenomenal year. I think you can certainly trust him 95% of snaps. He had a couple head scratchers last year, but by and large did his job really well. Um, but Ronald Williams sounds like the guy in that corner. One of the easier, once you have experience there, one of the easier, I think, um, transitions from other groups, you know, corners are generally asked to either cover man or cover zone on the outside, but it's generally the same technique regardless of scheme and he has experience doing it he is a true senior so he's been even if he hasn't seen the field as much as I'm sure he hoped he's been around he's been developing his techniques and I think he's ready to take an enormous role in this defense um and Chester Kimbrough's a little bit along the same lines I don't think he's quite as developed but it does sound like he's making a push for that second outside corner position um And again, great news, a guy who was up in the top ranks of Florida's defensive backfield um, last season. And it's just great news. Um, It's another position that a lot of people, especially you mentioned how many guys left last year, a lot of people were really nervous about. And it's going to take them, I'm sure, a little bit of time to get used to playing in the green and white. But uh, it sounds like the corners could be a strength this year if this does pan out. And again, you've got Kalen Gervin, who if one of those two guys doesn't work out on the outside, you can move him back out there. But given his size and and the way he plays, I think he matches up really well as an inside corner um, as a kind of a nickel or even a dime defensive back. So um, yeah, I think it's an interesting group and I think we have some stuff to look forward to. Yeah. That's something we talked a lot this off season about, 
Kalen Gervin as somebody who could be an NFL guy. I think he's got all the talent in the world, played really well for most of last year. And when I started hearing that Ronald Williams and Chester Kimbrough were working their way into that depth chart, I was a bit surprised, but then, you know, it, it was kind of a moment of like, okay, if, if they're going to usurp Kalen Gervin, that's probably good news, right? It's, it's not like somebody taking Noah Harvey's job where, you know, again, I don't want to take shots at a kid, but it's it's more of like oh I hope so you know it's it's not that high of a bar if you're coming in and taking Kalen Gervin's job it means that you played really well through all of you know camp and and spring practice for you know a guy like I know Kendall Brooks was there in the spring and and looked really good but the other thing I noticed here too is you look at the kind of body type and Kalen Gervin's a little bit shorter uh, a little bit more of that kind of short area quickness i think might fill into that nickel role really well whereas ronald williams is six two uh chester kimber is six foot and so you you have that mel tucker dna written all over it where he wants these tall corners everybody that he brought in kendall brooks six foot um uh, kari crump six foot chester kimbra six foot marquis lowry six foot ronald williams six two charles brantley true freshman six foot and so you know that's got mel tucker written all over it and kalen gervin as you know he's he's listed at 511 i would say realistically it's closer to 510 but that's somebody who might be able to fill that nickel role and just stick with one of those kind of quicker slot receivers a little bit better um, and i think that could be a really nice role for him so like you said if if ronald williams and chester kimbrough have really push themselves to that outside role that could be you know what ultimately is best for this defense uh, behind those guys like I see you got Charles Brantley who's Mel Tucker seems to really like him just from reading the clips and practice and seeing how he speaks about him he's really physical but at the end of the day the kid's 165 pounds I just can't so see him getting on the fields in Big Ten play Right. And, and you think, oh, he's a corner, so it'll be fine. Well, you say that until, you know, you're marching out there against, I don't know, Northwestern and they're running a toss sweep to the right side and pulling a guard. I mean, he's going to break in half. You just can't, you can't be going out onto the field at 165 pounds. So, you know, you're looking at Ronald Williams. He's, he's, he's not like a huge guy, but he's got 20 pounds on him. I mean, there's, there's such a big difference there. So I just, I think Charles Brantley will certainly have his time. Like you mentioned, Ronald Williams is a senior. Chester Kimbrough is a junior. Kalen Gervin's a redshirt junior. Um, you know, he's going to have his time. And I, and I think he's going to develop into a really nice player here. We really liked his tape when he committed, but uh, not yet. So I think you're looking at those three guys. You're looking at Ronald Williams, Chester Kimbrough, and Kalen Gervin. And then you got, I don't know, Emmanuel Flowers has been around the program for ages. And then Kendall Brooks, I think, is the other guy who he was getting a lot of buzz coming out of spring practice. And he's been with the team since, you know, what, December, January or whatever. So, you know, he's had a lot of exposure to the playbook. He's had a lot of exposure to the coaching staff. So I think he's definitely worked himself into a spot where he's going to be competing for reps. Yeah, I generally agree. I think Chuck Brantley will see the field a little bit. Um, I don't think he's going to be 
I don't know. He, he was getting two deep snaps in the open practice again, tea leaves, whatever. Um, I think Mel Tucker likes him a lot. I think he's going to get a chance to prove himself. I think my, uh, I my think... take on it just before you get like, is I, I just don't think he's really going to see the field. I think a lot of the practice stuff is trying to build confidence because you're, you're looking at a guy who they know is going to be a key part of the future. And I think it's more of one of those, like, Hey, you know, you're, you're one of our guys and we want you to be competing with these guys day in day out this year so that when we need to count on you next year, you're ready. That's kind of my feeling on it, but yeah. And we'll see. Um, We'll see. It's, it's a good group. We're going to need depth there. Um, I think the top three is pretty clear with Gervin Kimbrough and Ronald Williams uh, behind that, I do think you have kind of a toss-up. Kendall Brooks, you mentioned. Emmanuel Flowers, you mentioned. Um, and then you've got a couple other transfers, Crump, Lowry, all guys that are certainly going to try to see the field. Um, and you've got some exciting youth here. Um, you'll lose Ronald Williams this year. You'll lose Kalen Gervin. Actually, you may not, may or may not lose Kalen Gervin. But you've got some freshmen coming up who I think we can look forward to. Obviously, Chuck Brantley being the top of that list. Um and, uh, and, you know, we have a really strong defensive uh, backs, cornerbacks, coaching staff, obviously, uh, Mel Tucker, a defensive back himself. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a fun group. I think we'll be okay. I think coming out of last season, you, we, we were talking about God, the Exodus. It was like, oh, I was absolutely my God. terrified. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we, we put the feelers out. We said we've got open positions on our depth chart for whoever wants to come get them. And we, I think five or six of these guys are new faces to the program. Uh, Well, five transfers plus, plus the freshmen that we brought in. So a lot of new faces. Um, I'm sure it'll take a little bit of getting used to, to build that cohesion and and build a steady group. Um, But again, cornerbacks, you kind of know what your job is. You're either playing off the ball in zone or you're playing, you know, on the line and man, and you've been developing those two skill sets since you started playing corner at whatever level you picked up the position at, um, you know, it's not like linebacker where you need to know the scheme inside and out. So um, I think it's a group that they're going to fill in and they're going to come in and make plays. And I'm really excited to see them. I think Ronald Williams could have an enormous year. Yeah. And obviously like we talked about a lot last year, you mentioned kind of the scheme fits and the stat that I have here is that, Last year, we ran cover one 31% of the time. That was 22nd in the country. So you're basically just manning up everybody and you have one single high safety. And then we ran cover three 33% of the time. That was 15th in the country. So obviously that's something we kind of detailed a lot. That's a big part of Scotty Hazleton's scheme where, you know, you've got those two outside corners are responsible for those whole boundary sides shallow to deep you got a deep free safety and then the linebackers and the strong safety are taking everything underneath and then we ran combined if you look at cover two cover four cover six the other kind of standard passing uh passing down coverages combined we ran those 20 percent uh cover two we ran like two percent of plays last year so that's really what we're looking for is cover one and cover three, which is basically you have corners who are more or less responsible for, for an entire side of the field or 
in the case of cover one, just straight man to man. And so there's not a whole lot of like zone instinct kind of things. That's a lot more when you're looking at like cover two, cover four, it's a lot more of that. Okay. You kind of sit in your spot and, and you try to read what's in front of you. Cover three, cover one. It, it's basically you're responsible for everything over here and, or you take this guy. And, and so if you have a couple of those dudes who can just lock up the guy in front of them, makes a huge difference on a defense like this where, you know, everybody else's job suddenly becomes a lot easier. The pass rush suddenly has a little bit more time to get to the quarterback. The linebackers suddenly don't have to worry about as much getting behind them. Uh, The safety suddenly, you know, has a little bit easier of a job, doesn't have to worry about his corners getting beat off the line of scrimmage and, and trying to go over and help. So that's going to be a huge role in this defense. And hopefully those guys step up the safeties. It's, it's a really, really interesting spot. We've said this about like every position group, but with how much turnover there is on this defense, everything is just, we don't know what to expect in the safeties. I think we almost do. So Xavier Henderson obviously has been a staple on this defense for three years now. Uh, has started 20 games is last year, Xavier Henderson. I, I kind of brought this up to you before we started recording. I was looking through uh, on PFF. They do like the snap breakdown of where you lined up. So not just, okay, he's, he had 200 snaps last year. Xavier Henderson had 231 snaps in the box. He had 194 snaps at free safety. He had 57 snaps in the slot. He had 21 snaps that they counted as like a D line. And he had eight snaps out wide as a corner. He was all over the field last year. And, and that's kind of what we've seen over the last couple of years with him. And, and he's going to continue that type of role as the strong safety. Who's just moving around, playing matchups, fill in the box. If we need to, in this four, two, five defense, he's a really key part of the run game. Uh, somebody that is a leader on this defense, somebody that I, I think is is expected to be one of the top safeties in the conference and one of the top players on this defense. Um, Trey Person is out, which might be a good thing. Uh, you know, you, you always like returning production, but Trey Person was a guy that a lot of fans were complaining about. He takes 284 free safety, free safety snaps with him. So who's going to fill that role is interesting. You got Angelo Gross, you got Michael Dowell, you got Darius Snow. I think all competing for reps there. But what's your kind of feeling on the safety spot? So, yeah, I mean, you mentioned Xavier Henderson. His goal this year is to put together a season that gets him drafted um, and to be the leader on this defense. We were he, he was a guy kind of like LJ Scott, where he came in as a freshman, true freshman and played a lot and looked really good doing it. And as a guy that going into his sophomore year, we were like, okay, big year coming. Didn't really have it as a, as a bad defense. So take it with a grain of salt. Okay. Last year, he's a leader on the defense. Now he's one of the top two guys on this defense, at least outside of the defensive line. And um, it's going to be his year, but there was a new scheme. Obviously it was the COVID year, everything else. And he struggled um, to take the next step. He's still a solid player. Don't get me wrong, but kind of, didn't again fill the expectations as much as maybe we were expecting. I think this year it's his defense. He's in a scheme. He's played for a year now. He's had a full off season getting used to it. And at that, you mentioned how many different roles he was asked to play last year. Um, It's a lot to get used to 
that's a lot of different techniques, a lot of different responsibilities, a lot of different types of reads you're making. So it was a lot, I'm sure, to uh, to kind of comprehend and integrate into his game. Um, this year, I think he has every we have every reason to believe he's going to be one of, if not our best defenders. Um, and I expect big things. But yeah, you mentioned the rest of it is is an interesting kind of group. Um, I'll tell you what I expect. I expect Angelo Gross to start as the free safety. Um, I think it's his job. I don't Agreed. think that's much of a competition at this point. I know Michael Dowell was competing for that a little bit. You mentioned Darius Snow. From what I've heard and what I expect is that Michael Dowell and Darius Snow will platoon in the slot uh, as kind of that Michigan calls it a Viper, um, kind of that Tyron Matthew, just go all Jabril over the Peppers. place get to the ball, make plays. Um, I think they'll be there. And I think they'll also platoon with a corner uh, depending on what kind of personnel you see on the other side of the ball and what their athletic kind of makeup is. But uh, I do think Darius Snow and Michael Dow will be sharing that role. That's a role that we shared between a few guys last year. I don't think it's ever going to be a role that one guy locks down uh, in, with Scotty Hazleton's defense, just because the responsibilities of that, position change so much depending on what the other team is trying to do right like if if you're lining up three wide receivers well you're going to want that slot guy to be a, a guy like Kalon Gervin who can match up one-on-one -on -one with one of those receivers if they're lining up two receivers and two tight ends you're going to want more of a Michael Dowell or a Darius Snow in there as that third DB but as, or the fifth DB, excuse me, but a guy who's basically playing a third linebacker role because he's going to have to match up with a bigger dude. Yeah, and I'm excited for this group. I think Michael Dowell had a good year last year. Um, I think he was getting used to the defense. He was being asked to do a whole lot of different things, but he's a he's an experienced guy who makes plays and uh, can do his job. I'm really excited to see Darius Snow. That was a guy that I think we were kind of hoping maybe we'd see a little bit last year. And he did find his way onto the field a few times, not a whole lot, but um, I'm excited to see him. Seems like a really bright kid, obviously doing a lot off the field with his graphic design and stuff. I, I think he's building a, a pretty solid brand for himself on social media, becoming a fan favorite, myself included. Um, and I think it's just a guy that a lot of people are rooting for now. And obviously he has the pedigree, you know, the, the snow background, a lot of, before he even stepped foot on campus, a lot of folks were excited, you know, oh, you know, another snow on the team. So, um, I think it'd be great to have him as a breakout, obviously a really young guy, a true sophomore hearing that he's making strides to become a difference maker this early in his career, obviously bodes really, really well him and Angelo gross, both true sophomores to have both of those guys ingrained in a defense is, is a building block. You could really start to build upon, um, going into next season. So, yeah, I think it's a group that, like you said, is a little bit more stable than, uh, some of the other, positions on the team i do think tate hallett could see the field a little bit aj kirk a true freshman maybe won't see the field on defense but probably will be in the special teams on the field um so it's a it's a strong group um i'm excited to see angelo gross i think having him in one position as a free safety i think it's going to be really good for this defense and good for him and, uh, and he's kind of knows for the football guy and having the kind of over the top authority in this defense is going to give him the kind of the latitude to just 
see ball, get ball, make plays, hit dudes hard. He's kind of undersized at 180, but loves to hit. We saw it last year, even with kind of a lack of size, he was, he was putting the hurt on. So um, yeah, it's a fun group. I think it's one of the stronger groups on this defense. And, uh, and we got a lot of playmakers who can really kind of show out this season. Yeah. We did a draft earlier this off season of guys that you expect to be NFL players one day in the future, right? It could be a freshman that you think two years from now, it could be a senior you think, you know, in this coming draft. And I took Angelo gross, I think with the second pick, because I just, he's got that instinct level that is impossible to teach. And he just has that nose for the football. You can tell he studies the game and, and is really on top of, of what he's asked to do. And then once he gets around the ball, he's forcing turnovers. He's making plays. He's hitting. He's, he's just has that, that all-around game that you love to see. And, and I think he's going to be in for a huge career here at Michigan State. And like you said, I think that role for him at free safety is really exciting because he's going to be able to sit back, kind of watch how the whole play develops and be able to, to make his reads and, and, and make his plays from a little bit of a deeper spot. You know, a lot of last year, he was playing closer to the line of scrimmage. He was playing mostly in the slot and even in the box quite often. He only had two snaps as like a true free safety last year. So it's not a spot we're accustomed to seeing him. He's, he was a lot closer to the line of scrimmage last year and just kind of sorting through the traffic. But I think with his skill set, if you give him the ability to kind of sit back and, and observe everything behind him, it's really, really exciting. And I think he could be in for an awesome season and an awesome career at Michigan State. Um, yeah, I, I think that's gonna, I think we got everything there. Uh, it went a little bit longer than we were hoping, but when you're does. trying to preview one, two, three, four, five positions, that's just kind of going to happen. So, uh, like we all said, right, we so recap question real quick, just to kind of bring it all together. What is the one position group that could help this team exceed expectations? And what's the one position group on defense specifically that could make this season fall apart essentially um i think it's the same position for both answers i think the corners are going to be incredibly important for how good this team is and it's something i've started to think about we're doing our season preview next week our predictions what we think the record's going to be which games we're going to win which games we're all of that and the corner is one thing that I keep coming back to as I go into that. And I'm like, man, if, if this is a good corner group and they are able to lock down guys on the outside, there are a lot of good receivers in the big 10 this year. You know, we play a Purdue team that as a whole is not that good, but David Bell is one of the best receivers in the country. Um, obviously Ohio state's got dudes and that's not a team we're expecting to beat, but Penn state's got dudes. I mean, if, if this corner group can really lock those guys down again, it gives the uh, pass rush a little bit of extra time to get home. It, it just makes such a big difference on the whole defense. And on the, the opposite side of that coin, if those guys are just getting torched, if those guys are getting beat, it's going to be a long year. And so I think 
the the answer for both of those is the corner. What about you? It's interesting. I was I when you said it was going to be the same group for both, I thought we were going to be on the same page, but we're not. I was going to say linebackers, uh, but for similar reasons, really just because of how much is unknown at the linebacker position. We're relying on a lot of guys we've never seen in an MSU jersey maybe relying on Noah Harvey, who we've seen probably more of than we wish in an MSU jersey. Um, and the reason I'm saying that instead of corners is, is the run game. I mean, if you can't stop the run game, the other coaches don't even have to think about how to beat you. They just give the ball to their backs and, and let them go to work. And um, I think you got to shut down the run game first in the Big Ten specifically um, and force these quarterbacks to make throws. We, we were talking a little bit on Twitter about how the, uh, the Big Ten doesn't have a great crop of quarterbacks this year. Uh, and there's a couple out there. Obviously, Ohio State, you can expect whoever's <laughs> Whoever the hell under is, center yeah. to dominate. Uh, that's a, a fail-safe uh, program. But, you know, by and large, Michael Penix is good, but he could, could, couldn't be injured this year. Um, and honestly, I... I know he gets a lot of hype, um, but I, I think he's beatable even when he's in the game. Um, and there's not, uh, it's not the best quarterback group basically. So if yeah, you can Graham shut down Hertz the run is game. good at Wisconsin, but we're not even going to see him. Sean Clifford right. at Penn state is not good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, he makes plays, but he's not, he's not going to beat you on his own. So if you can shut down, well, shut down, if you can limit these big 10 running games and force these quarterbacks to have to throw the ball, I think uh, you're you're going to win more games than vice versa. So, um, yeah, I, I put it on the linebackers. I know there's only two guys out there, so maybe it's not quite as important as a three-linebacker set. But it's just so unknown uh, with these guys we're going to be relying on. If Quaveris Crouch is a, is a total dude, a total playmaker who can, you know, take this playbook and, and make it his – uh, we could be really good this year, but if we don't find anybody to support Noah Harvey and Noah Harvey ends up being our best linebacker this season, I'll let you draw your own conclusions on that. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be an interesting year for the defense. Like I said, even for Michigan state fans, there's going to be a lot of new faces. It's going to be hard to recognize some of these guys and we're going to be really dialed into that week one game against Northwestern to see what this group is. But Unfortunately for us, we're going to have to make our predictions before we know who's going to be starting out there. So next episode that you hear us, it will be Monday and you will be hearing us give our final predictions for the season. Uh, We're going to run through the whole Big Ten standings. Uh, Last year, we did like a whole episode where we broke down like just about every game. Um, We're going to try to buzz through the Big Ten and just kind of give what we gave as our standings. And then we're going to dive deeper into Michigan State, the game by game, how who we have us beating, who we have us losing to, what that final record looks like as we're getting ready for this season. So next time you hear us, we'll be going through our whole predictions. And then that next week, we will be giving you Monday predictions. Thursday, we will be previewing that Northwestern game. And on Friday morning, uh, in preparation for a Friday evening game. Uh, usually you'll have a whole day to listen today or that next week, you'll just have a couple hours, but we'll be giving you our picks for the Michigan state Northwestern game for the other week one games around the country. I know there's some big ones, Clemson, Georgia. Uh, there's, there's some big games out there. So that's kind of the schedule from now on starting next week, Monday, Thursday, Friday. The other last bit that we need to make sure you know is that next week on Monday, when you do hear us, 
we're going to have a new logo in the feed and it's going to be Ooh. really exciting. Uh, but don't be surprised. It is still the same podcast. It is still the same hosts just with an updated logo, which looks so much better than the one we have now. I I've been wanting to just unveil this like three weeks ago because I hate our current logo more and more as I look at our new one. So it's, it's a really exciting time for us. Hope you guys stick with us. Subscribe. If you haven't already tell your friends and family, we're right around the corner here. Like I said, next week we're doing our predictions. So for any Michigan state fans out there, that's going to be one that you're going to want to listen to. And uh, you're going to want your friends and family to listen to as well. Cause you guys can sit around and, and have some beers and talk about what you think this season's going to look like. Cause we are so damn close until then. We hope you have a lovely week. We hope you have a lovely weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Go green. Go white. Take care, folks.